1: Hey, Robin, check it out. Bob, what are you you doing in that trailer truck? (laughs) I've I've just come from the All Songs Considered warehouse, you know, where we keep all the albums and all the songs we've played over the years. I've filled the truck with boxes and boxes of records so I can drive around the country and deliver copies for all of our listeners to hear. I mean, (laughs) I know we love to get more music from more artists out to more people, but there's a much easier way to do this. What do you mean? How? Look, we have the All Songs Consider podcast, yeah? If listeners yep. just support the podcast, they can help ensure they'll keep hearing new musical discoveries by artists from all over the world. All they have to do is make a donation to the public radio station of their choice. So how would they do that? Just go to donate.npr.org music to get started. You make a donation and help get more voices and more music to more people. And you can do it from anywhere, your home or anywhere. You don't need this truck. Amazing. So that's donate.npr.org slash music. Donate.npr.org slash music. Go now. I'm on my way.
2: In a very short amount of time, Spotify Wrapped has become an annual end-of-year event and a viral sensation. Basically, the streaming service tells you what songs you've listened to most often over the course of the year... But it's more than an opportunity to examine your own personal listening habits. Increasingly, it's something you share with others on social media, as if what you listen to somehow defines who you are. And as Spotify Wrapped has become a whole thing,
3: questions have arisen about the algorithm behind it and how it works to point us to other music, creating a kind of perpetual feedback loop. I'm Aisha Harris.
2: And I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Spotify Wrapped on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Visit Carvana and enter your license plate or VIN. Answer a few quick questions and you can get a real offer in seconds. When you finalize your offer, Carvana will pick it up so you never have to leave the comfort of home. Visit Carvana.com or download the app.
0: On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race don't start and stop with the news cycle. We know that race is always relevant, and we have new topics, new voices, and new stories for you every single week. Listen to the Code Switch podcast from NPR.
2: Joining us today is Sam Senders, the host of NPR's It's Been a Minute. Welcome back, Sam.
4: Hello. It's great to be here. It's
2: great to have you. Also joining us is Emile Niazi. She is a culture writer and panelist on the CBC's Pop Chat. She also wrote about Spotify Wrapped for The Globe and Mail. Welcome, Emile. Hi,
0: good to be back.
2: Great to have you. So Spotify launched what would eventually become Spotify Wrapped back in 2015, but it didn't become a whole big thing until around 2019, when the service paired the year-end data it served you with eye-catching and extremely shareable graphics. Now, they're not doing this out of a sense of community or largesse, of course. They're doing it to drive more people to their service. But what are we really sharing when we post our most listened to songs on this one specific streaming service and is frequently of listens a meaningful metric for one's own musical tastes when it's the algorithm that curates so much of that experience? Let's talk about it. Aisha, let's buy into the hype. What were your most listened to songs of the year and what do you think they say about you or not? Well... Uh, so
3: my most listened to song of this year is actually a song I've mentioned on this show before as one of my happies. So it's not that surprising um, for me, at least. And it is Kiss Me More by Doja Cat and SZA. Uh-huh. It's a fun song to drive to. And then the rest of my songs are like a hodgepodge. Um My other four songs in the top five are (laughs) Why Don't We Fall in Love by A. Marie. Wow. Um, Another, I got really into Paramore this year. I'm a little late, but uh, I got really into them. And Idol Worship from their last album, After Laughter, was up there as well. You've got uh, Not a Love Song by Mariah the Scientist. Sure. And finally, some Jackson 5, a song that most people probably don't remember or or probably haven't listened to in forever. It's called Darling Dear. I love it. It's also on one of my playlists. So I think like what I'm seeing is that I have maybe two or three playlists that I constantly have in the background, including like my liked songs, any song I like, I tend to just go to that playlist. And that's why I'm hearing these songs uh, over and over again, because that's just, Mm -hmm. I'm a creature of habit. And I think that is the main thing that
2: Spotify
0: reveals about pretty much all of us
2: is that
3: we are creatures of habit.
2: Uh Emile what do you think about that and what were your top songs
0: Yes I can definitely say that it's not just me that's a creature of habit but my two small children mm-hmm. who have now you know completely exerted dominance over my Spotify wrapped because my top two songs are songs from the Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. Awesome. Uh, so What's Up Danger and Sunflowers. So nice. I love that song. You know what? I know that parents <laughs> often struggle with how much you know kids' music dominates their playlist. So I got off, I think, pretty lucky yeah. because both of their requests happen to be really good songs that I like listening to, but... Talking to a bunch of parents, we were just laughing at how little um, we control our own habits anymore. It's really uh-huh. just what the kids want to hear. So, you know, I managed to get one Joni Mitchell song in my top five, but the rest were um, <laughs> Neil Hefty Orchestra's Batman theme song, also um, <laughs> on Lord. heavy rotation. Sure, but
2: that's eclectic. <laughs> it says, A, hey, you're a good mom. And, B, you got good kids with good taste.
0: When I posted it, I was like, is this a cry for help? Because (laughs) it's so all over the place. But yeah.
4: That's excellent. Sam, what about you? Top five. So my top five songs, and I should be clear here, Spotify occupies a lot of my music listening, but not all. So it doesn't capture the hours I spend every week listening to KCRW and their amazing show Morning Becomes Eclectic. So this playlist of my top songs on Spotify for the year is really just songs that I ran to all year because I'm always playing Spotify when I'm running. And number one is Up by Cardi B. I sure. played it yes. Hear Me Out 69 times this year. That's what Spotify <laughs> said. Oh, um,
3: <laughs> that's, that's quite a number. <laughs> yeah.
4: Next was Long Text by this artist named Lubalin. he He uh, came to fame by doing these TikTok remixes of Facebook arguments, but he actually released his own single this year called Long Text. It's really catchy and fast, and I run to it. And then another song called Bodies by The Knox and Muna, Ooh La La by Jesse Ware, and then The Melting of the Sun by St. Vincent. And these are all just songs that I love to run to.
2: So what does that say about you, except that, besides the fact that you're a runner? What do you think?
4: You know, it's... I love hearing women more than men, I think. Uh Uh (laughs) My top artists were also like Beyonce, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, and others. So I think I am totally in the camp of like not actually wanting to hear men most days, which (laughs) is fine. Um, And I like having fun, up-tempo stuff, uh, save for that St. Vincent song, which is kind of deep and moody. (laughs) Uh, My list, I had
2: to do a deep forensic dive. I had to do some self-analysis here because first I thought, okay, I broke Spotify wrapped because clearly these are not the songs I listen to most often this year. Where was Robin? Where was Dua Lipa? Where was Carly Rae? Where was Kylie Minogue? They were nowhere on this list. And I thought, okay, so maybe it's like when I'm in a public bathroom and (laughs) I go to the sink and I try to wave my hand in front of the sensors and I'm just completely invisible. So like when the machine uprising comes, I will be the perfect spy for the resistance. You know, I'll be a ghost in the machine. (laughs) But then I step back and what's going on here is, A, I don't use Spotify a lot. Uh, We have a home smart device that we yell at to play music for us. So this is only counting stuff that I listen to on my phone. And frankly, mostly what I listen to on my phone is podcasts and audiobooks. So when I took another look at the list and I realized these are all Eurovision songs, what is going on here? <laughs> Finally, it struck me, took, took me entirely too long to realize it. Workout mix. Yeah. Mostly I listen to podcasts when I work out, but... Those days when you're not feeling it and you need something with a beat, you know, uh, a macaro brother's not going to get you there. And so without realizing it, I have been listening to Eurovision bangers, not the ballads. The ballads are deadly. Like songs like She Got Me by Luca Hani and El Diablo and Too Late for Love and Ten Years. These are going to keep you grinding uh, through your cardio. And that's that's kind of what I... I realized. And as soon as I realized that, it was knowledge I couldn't sit on. The world needed to know. I needed other people to know that I am a Eurovision gay. And I posted, he's a Eurovision gay, your honor, with the list. Because finally, I had hard data to prove it, or so I thought, right? And then other Eurovision gays liked it, and they retweeted it. And then somebody else replied saying, look, I don't know any of these songs, but I see that you've got get down from the musical six, which means you've got good taste. And that felt good, but it's really murky, right? Because of course, you know, I did listen to these songs uh, on other services besides Spotify. So they don't reflect who I am as a person, but could they be said to reflect, deep breath, my brand on social? If I had to identify that, I'd say it's this queer dad joke, self-deprecating, but not too self-deprecating critic slash enthusiast
4: slash dork. Does it fit that guy, that persona? I mean, kind of. I kind of feel like there's all these questions about like, is the Spotify raft actually capturing all of our consumption? But. No metric of internet ever does. Facebook can see a lot of what we do, but not all. You know, Twitter, we share a lot of that, but we don't share all of our lives on there. So I'm not that angry when Spotify doesn't tell me exactly how much I listen to everything all year. So I have a smart device at home as well. And when I ask it to play music, it will play music from Amazon streaming service. So that's not captured in Spotify. Mm -hmm. But I'm not mad at it. You know, I think that my only fear was when I got my Spotify wrapped, are these five songs or top five artists going to be embarrassing? And when number one was Cardi B, I said, okay, we're good. You know, there's always that like moment before you say you want to share it where you kind of make the judgment, will I be dragged for this? Or will I not be dragged for this? And this year was pretty good for me. I look um, eclectic, poppy, and fun, I think. (laughs) I hope.
3: It's interesting you say that because I think I am kind of Spotify's favorite kind Mm -hmm. of person because I listen to Spotify every day. I grew up in a household where there was rarely ever not music playing. Mm -hmm. And so I almost always have to have something going on in the background. Even when I go to sleep, I sometimes will turn it on. And so (laughs) I think my top artists especially really do reflect sort of where I was this year between Paramore was up there. Plus I have Marvin Gaye, Ella Fitzgerald, Beyonce, Alan Menken. <laughs> nice. Three of those artists are always in my top artists every year, especially Alan Menken. It's just like a given because mm-hmm. I listen to so much Disney and so much like Broadway, all of that stuff. And so it is very much kind of both my brand and the way in which I function in the world. Amelia, you kind of touched on this in your your piece that like This is also a corporate brand. It's fun to do, but at the same time, I feel at least a little kind of icky about it just because I know the fact that these artists are not getting paid, are getting paid like pennies. And it's also not exposing me necessarily to newer artists, but like it does keep me in a rut that like, I don't know if I would otherwise be in if it wasn't for Spotify, (laughs) you know?
4: Well, what's crazy though, was like, there are new artists that end up on these really popular playlists. But even when that happens to me, I don't notice them. So probably my most played Spotify playlist of the year was this one called Modern Psychedelia. And it's just like exactly what it says, but it's hundreds of songs that are kind of just trippy and great for road trips. And I realized once I got my list of most played songs that like 20 or 30 of them came from that playlist. And I could sing the songs word for word, but I didn't know those artists' names Mm -hmm. until I saw it in this year end playlist. And I was talking to my friends over at Swished on Pop, this podcast all about pop music. Mm -hmm. And they said for new artists that are coming into that kind of landscape, it's incredibly hard to make money. Even if you're a new artist whose song gets on a big playlist, the level of follow-through that listeners will give you to go to your page, to stream your album, to go see you on tour, it really rarely happens. These playlists make these new artists' ambient background noise. And the same thing happens on TikTok. You'll have an artist have a hit on TikTok, but you'll know the TikTok song and not the artist's name. So we're in this moment where Spotify seems to be enabling all kinds of artists to bubble up, but the ones that still do the best and it's shown on these year end playlists are the Taylor Swift's and the Adele's and the Beyonce's. But even those artists are saying something's not right with this. This year, when Adele released her latest album, she asked Spotify to take off the shuffle option on the album play because she says that's not the way to experience an album like hers. So it is strange to see how much every working musical artist kind of disagrees with Spotify as an idea, but they can't leave it. They can't escape it. Yep.
2: Yeah. I love to see that uh, diva power move. It's kind of like when Barbra Streisand went on Oprah and painted Oprah's mic a crew to match her sweater. Yeah. I love seeing that. I love that whole vibe. <laughs> but Emil, I want to bring you in here because this is kind of what you're talking about in your piece for the for the Globe and Mail. And if I could annoy you by reading your kicker back to you, may I? Yes, uh, yeah, please. You kind of really summed up what we're talking about here. (laughs) You say, so when you eagerly share your year interview across all your social feeds, consider what figures prominently in your own listening habits and how these habits have been shaped. Because increasingly, what rap says about us, beyond how many times we've streamed Tracy Chapman's Fast Car this year, is that our experience with music is completely defined by one service. And that service relies on blockbuster artists to fuel streams and subscriptions. It may be good for Spotify, but is it good for music? Now you didn't answer that question, so I'm going to make you answer it now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of pointedly asked it at the mm-hmm. end, but my sort of answer is is no, I don't really think that it is. You know, we are so beholden to this to this app and to what it feeds us. We do a lot of passive listening. It sounds like all of us, what you know, whether we're at home or at the gym or in the car we sort of rely on spotify to keep the vibe going we're not necessarily actively you know skipping and shuffling it except for if we don't specifically want to hear something so we're really relying on that algorithm mm-hmm. as well to shape our experience and then the things that we listen to passively and like, it keeps feeding us and and it's not necessarily giving us those sort of weird, quirky, avant-garde artists. And then I think about the embarrassment factor of posting something that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. live up to your brand and you're wrapped. And then how much does that shape what you listen to, what you want to share? I actually love it when I get to experience a friend's bizarre more out there musical choices because it triggers me to actually go out and find new things because I am such a creature of habit, as we mentioned. And increasingly, people only share what they think is not embarrassing. And I think it perpetuates this sort of sameness, this monolithic culture of music. And Spotify isn't just contributing to it. It is sort of shaping that entire discourse. And so as a net good for artists, it's not working as a net good for listeners. I also don't think it's working, even though it's fun to share. But, you know, if you're worried about what your musical tastes say about you, you know, is that good? I think it's like lovely to experience things that are weird. And absolutely, I've played fast car so many times that it is perhaps troublesome, but (laughs) I don't want to be embarrassed to show people that.
3: But to me, that's not embarrassing. That just means you have good taste. And I feel like <laughs> most people would would think that. I feel like the things that people might be more embarrassed to share are like the, I'm still listening to Ace uh-huh. of Base. Ace of Base is amazing. Yes, but to, be, to, to have that be like your top artist in 2021, <laughs> I
4: don't know. See, I think all of that, you know, Tracy Chapman or Ace of Base, that's kind of one of the strengths of algorithmic services like TikTok or Spotify, a lot of times they'll feed you old stuff and make it new for you again. And so there was this song that went really viral on TikTok this year. It's called Meet Me at Our Spot, Ah, a.k.a. Caught a Vibe. Turns out it's by Willow Smith and this Mm -hmm. artist, Tyler Cole. I had no Mm -hmm. idea. And when those things happen through the algorithm of TikTok or Spotify, I love it. I really do.
0: I think it's a, a great point, Sam, and really interesting how much TikTok is coming in kind of like out of left field to compete with Spotify in a way. But ultimately, you hear the song on TikTok, you seek it out on Spotify. Exactly. So it becomes again this this kind
4: of loop. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm most intrigued by with everyone sharing their Spotify Wrapped and sharing data, right, publicly and with this company, no one seems to have a problem with it. You know, Spotify in some regards is just as intrusive as Facebook or Google, and yet we have no problems with that company and no problem sharing everything with them and talking about it. And I think it kind of speaks to the origin story of Spotify. It's a Swedish company. And everything they do is kind of stealth in the background. It feels unintrusive, but it can be just as insidious as, you know, what Mark Zuckerberg is doing. It's really smart the way Spotify has kind of quietly taken over the world. It feels like we're in control of it. And even when we share all this data, we convince ourselves that we're the ones choosing to share it, right? Because we can share the screen grabs or not. They've done something really smart. They have managed to become as big and bad as all the other players in big tech, but no one's really realized it yet.
3: I think people have realized it. I just just think we don't care. I think it's just like, (laughs) because I think the need to brand ourselves, it really is, it feels like an outgrowth of all those Buzzfeed quizzes that were popular years ago. Like we want to share what our tastes are Mm -hmm. and increasingly we're doing that through the culture we consume and that's just the way it is. And so I think that Spotify has really tapped into that and to me it sucks it like it feel again it feels icky yeah. but at the same time it's just like who cares like this is this is what it is now we've accepted it <laughs> and until we see like a big artist really go against something like Spotify. I don't
4: think that will work either. A few years ago, Jay-Z and others launched Tidal as a competitor. Right. That didn't really work yeah. out. And also a few years ago, Taylor Swift made some pointed comments about the way Spotify treats artists. And I think she ended up getting a better deal, but it wasn't actually good for the entire industry. But
3: of course, even then with Tidal, like you said, Jay-Z's music is now all on Spotify exactly. after years of it not being yeah. there. So
2: Absolutely. And and what Spotify is doing, Just two things going on here. A, they know. That just finding out what your personal top list was is not even half of the whole thing. The other half is sharing it. They, they count on that because that's what makes people feel FOMO. It's like, oh, I, I'm not on Spotify or I haven't been on Spotify in a long time. I wonder what mine is. I need to share it. The other thing is they are capitalizing on the fact that music tastes is something everybody is nervous about. Right. I mean, this is like when there used to be record stores and you'd bring your purchases up to the counter and you looked at the clerk and you wanted the nod. You wanted the. Yep, this is good.
3: The very high fidelity.
2: Very high (laughs) fidelity. Or you wanted to at all costs avoid the eye roll. Right. We are putting ourselves out there, and we're so nervous about what our musical tastes say about us, or what Spotify tells us our musical tastes say about us, that we are curating it. Maybe we're chopping off the top song from our from our list. Maybe we're, we're kind of just highlighting one part of the list because our musical tastes are so bound up with our sense of identity, and that's what they're exploiting.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes back to kind of what we were saying about, um, you know, whether you call it a guilty pleasure or a rut, but – you Know how much of this becomes about performance and less about a you know a genuine sort of sharing of what we listen to. You know, am I listening to songs that I hope make it on my raps so that at the end of the year I'm not you know petrified to tell people what I was yep. listening to?
4: See, I don't think people are doing that that much though,
0: not yet, not yet but, but certainly, like you know, like Glenn said, we're we're sharing. The parts of us that we think are going to be the most telling of our brand or the most sort of flattering in uh-huh. certain lights. And so we're, you know, and that's the the power of rap is they make it piecemeal. So if, you know, your your top song isn't that sexy, maybe it's about the aura you know, mine is hype and spooky. And those words are great. (laughs) They mean kind of nothing. And it tells you that I'm maybe mysterious and my music is hype and spooky. (laughs) But, you know, I think they've recognized some of the reticence to share everything. So they've parceled it out so that no matter what you've listened to, no matter how much kids music is on it, there's a part of it that you do put out there. And again, it all is just a marketing campaign to bring people back to Spotify. And so regardless of whether people are shifting their patterns to, you know, present a specific rapt, Spotify ultimately is shaping your habits over the years.
4: What I find a little more problematic is the delivery of our top songs and albums and artists. The language around the Spotify rapt gets increasingly more, quote unquote, dare I say, urban, <laughs> And it just feels a little off. Uh, My friend Ested Wesley, who covers politics uh, for the New York Times, he tweeted earlier this month, quote, Spotify rap says, vibe check. You understood the assignment and kept it on fleek with this podcast that lived rent free in your head, just like an NFT.
0: I just wanted to say about the pushback. I think, you know, any kind of resistance will ultimately come as it has from artists. But if Taylor Swift and Adele And Jay-Z can't make a true dent. It goes back to the question I posed in my piece, which is it good for music? And increasingly, I think the answer... Is no.
4: Well, and just to piggyback, there are alternative services that just aren't as widely used as Spotify. Bandcamp has been around for a very long time. They're very good to artists and they work hard to share revenue with artists. They're doing the best they can and they still kind of fly under the radar.
3: And there's also SoundCloud, which is for a very specific kind of music. And we've seen that whole. the SoundCloud era kind of come and it's kind of faded again because now all those artists are on Spotify. (laughs) It's like,
2: yeah, exactly. Well, we want to know your thoughts about Spotify wrapped. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you all for being here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. a pleasure.
2: And of course, thank you for listening to pop culture happy hour from NPR and we will see you all tomorrow when we will be talking about our favorite things from 2021. Numbers that explain the economy.
1: We love them at the Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three.
0: So my
3: indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs.
1: I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to the Indicator podcast from NPR. You care
2: about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. It's Been
3: a Minute is a culture show you don't want to miss. Every week, we help you see the culture angle behind the headlines, the forces behind the trends, and the thinkers behind the next big thing. Tune in for the sharp cultural analysis and captivating interviews. Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.